0: You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. Place your hands together for Mr. Rob Moores. <laughs> Lord, I just pray that you rock Rob like a hurricane. <laughs> but I just pray that we are surprised by your glory right now. Let us not stand in your way of what you're doing, Father. Thank you for this mighty man. Lord, we thank you for the words that he's going to speak to us right now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So we've been working through, we're part way through our series on a house of worship. I was trying to work out with Alex, is this is the third or fourth time? It's either the third or fourth time. And so last week Erin preached and she did a great job. We're raising up some great young preachers in this church. You know, what's going to happen, you know, they'll be going all over the place preaching and Bayside will be known for a place that is producing terrific preachers. And so that's happening. So today, I'm continuing the House of Worship series. And the title of my message is something like this, Open Heaven, Open Heart. And that'll become obvious. So Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. And it's verses 9 to 11. And this is what it says. One day... That's significant in New Testament type language. It just means something, which I won't go into now. But one day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw heavens the heavens splitting apart, and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly beloved Son, and you bring me... Great joy. I just love the way Mark puts that, that heaven split open. Some translations say heaven was ripped apart, others say splitting open. I think somewhere said the heavens were rent apart, things like that. And sometimes they just say it just opened. But Mark is really dramatic in the way he does stuff. And so when I was looking through this, I thought, well, Why was Jesus baptised? That's nothing to really do with the message, but that's the sort of thing that goes through your head when you read this. Why was Jesus baptised? So, there are a few things significant about Jesus being baptised, and I'll just run them off, and then I'll go back to where I'm supposed to be. And one is that being baptised, he's endorsing the ministry of John the Baptist. And in New Testament terms, that is really important. He's also obeying the Father. In being baptised, he's identifying with our humanity. He's sinless, but he still identifies with our humanity. <clears throat> In being baptised the Holy Spirit falling, he's being commissioned for his ministry. And following his baptism, he starts his ministry. So <clears throat> there's some significance into Jesus' baptism outside of the stuff that I want to come up with. So <clears throat> I want to say this. Might be pushing it a little bit, but when Jesus was baptized, this is an act of worship. You know, in our church, when we baptize people, we see this as an act of worship. And so when Jesus was baptized, he's responding to the Father in some way in obedience, responding to who the Father, what the Father does, and who the Father is. So this is an act of worship. Now, when Jesus is baptised when he's worshiping, heaven is ripped apart. Heaven opens. How amazing is that? And as Chad has been pointing out for a bit for a while, that there is no record of heaven closing up again. And you might be thinking, well, I don't see it open at the moment. I want to tell you, heaven is open. It's, it's not so much heaven has closed up. We just don't necessarily see into the heaven at least to see heaven open. I can tell you. Heaven is open. Heaven is open. There's no record of it closing up, so I'll go with Chad on that one every day. So, in this act of worship, heaven opens. And the thing is, this tells me that heaven is really accessible. That God is accessible through the death and resurrection of Jesus Heaven is accessible On the cross he died We are forgiven of our sins We are cleansed, we are made whole We have an identity and we have a destiny This is what happened on the cross Because heaven is open over us And the cross paves the way so that we can have access to God That is awesome, that is awesome So stop trying too hard and just go to God It works a lot better If you don't stop trying and hang with God and listen to him and do what he says, it works really well. He is so accessible. So heaven opens and God is accessible. This is an act of worship at the baptism of Jesus. And it foreshadows that there is a place for us, there is a home for us in the kingdom of God, that heaven is our home, and yet in the kingdom of God, which is sort of, well, I don't know how you've explained something that no one knows how to explain, something that that is God's kingdom, which is God's gracious rule, is established on earth through the presence of Jesus, and in that we have a place now which gives us a foretaste of what is to come. So when you know some great and incredible things that God is doing now, Heaven is like that all the time, (laughs) only better and so much more. Oh, I'm getting excited about this now. And that's all in his baptism. That's all in his (laughs) baptism. And so there is a place for us. There is a home, a place where we belong. I'll say it again. A place where we belong, where you belong. That you are secure and you are loved. And what's more, heaven never closes off to you. Now, there's a bit of a condition on this, and you're thinking, that's not grace. I'm talking about belief, and you need to believe in Jesus. I'm talking about believing in Jesus in the sense of personally surrendering your your heart, your life, who you are to him. And so, we need to surrender to Jesus. We need to come to him in repentance. I used to hate that word. I still don't like it. trouble is, repentance is a, a bit of a shorthand for like, well turning around and coming to God. In Old Testament terms, repentance was, well, this is the way you're going, you (laughs) turn around and you come to God. In New Testament terms, it's like changing your mind, changing your heart and going to God. End of the day, you stop going in that direction that is basically going to wreck your life and take you straight to hell and turn around and go to Jesus who will take you straight to heaven. Now, that's a good deal. All you've got to do is turn around, go to him. (laughs) It works, it works. Is a church full of people who know that. And if you haven't quite got that, it means you need to personally surrender your life to Jesus. And if you haven't done that, do it today. This is a good day. You know, you could just say to your neighbor, I need to do that. Can you help me out? Oh, I don't know. I'll take it down to see Maureen, CJ. That'll work. They'll help you. <laughs> they know all about that stuff. Now, Jesus didn't need to repent. He didn't. But you do. We all need to repent and come to him and receive his goodness. You know, when we come to him like that, he smiles, it's this absolute joy on the face of the Father. He's absolutely delighted. He's just so glad that you have come to him. The parable of the prodigal son gives you this incredible glimpse of what it's like when you receive Jesus, you come to the Father, in effect like stepping into heaven. And the Bible doesn't really give us a lot of pictures of what it's like just at that point when you leave this life and enter the next life. But it does. I can it, it, I think of just one particular thing where you get this incredible glimpse of what it's like just before you get there. In the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 55 and 56, you have Stephen. How many people here are called Stephen. I haven't got one Stephen in the place. What's wrong with us? There's lots of Steves out there. I'll tell you what, church, after church, go get them. Bring them all here next week. And so he'd been preaching the gospel, been preaching Jesus. He's full of the Holy Spirit. And the religious authorities have had enough of him, and they're going to stone him to death. And just before this happens, this, this, is, what, this is what he said. This is what happened. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, just get that full of the Holy Spirit, you need to be full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. This guy is about to be stoned to death and heaven is open. He's seeing into the heavenly realms and he's seeing into heaven, saw the glory of God and saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see that (coughs) heaven's open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honour at God's right hand. Moments later, he was standing there with him. But what an incredible glimpse of what is to come as you leave this life and go into the next. So when Jesus was baptised in this act of worship, heaven is open and it's just never closed and God is so accessible. And then the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit falls, it says, descends like a dove. In some, some, in some versions it'll talk about like in a sense of bodily form. Do you know what? I don't think the writers of the gospel, Gospels really knew how to describe accurately what they were seeing. They were seeing the Holy, seeing something descending and the closest thing they could say, like a dove. Did the dove sit, sit on him or did the dove penetrate into his inner being? Depending on your translation, depending on what the Greek has got to say and how that could be interpreted. What I, can, what I do know is that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and never, ever left him. <laughs> and so he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He's empowered with the Holy Spirit. I have had arguments with people over this. I remember once I went to this sea camp I was invited to go to this camp to do an elective on the Holy Spirit and being baptised in the Holy Spirit. I thought, cool, I'll do that. So I went along to this camp, and then the guy that was in charge of the camp, even though there was a team who seemed to have a fair bit of of authority, that some of these team members had recommended me to come. He came up to me and says, I'm a bit nervous about this elective. I says, why? He says, because I don't agree with your theology on the Holy Spirit. I says, you don't even know me. And he didn't agree with me. Anyway, so I started chatting, hoping to sort of calm this guy down. And I said, well, Jesus had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, no, he wasn't. I said, at his baptism, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit came upon him. So he had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. John, uh, uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 1 says he was full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14 says he was full of the Holy Spirit. And so... <clears throat> But he says, no, 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 no. I said, well, how did he do all that stuff, all that supernatural? Oh, well, that's because he was God. And I am thinking, but he was emptied of all of that. Read Philippians chapter 2. He was no longer omniscient. What does that mean? Being everywhere. Or he was no, he was no longer omnipotent. That means he doesn't have any powers. Omniscient. Now, that's knowing everything. Anyway, omnipresent is being everywhere. All of that. He was none of that. That at all. He left that in heaven. And so he was a human being. So where did his power come from? It's the same place it's always come from, the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> where do you get your power from? The same place Jesus did, from the Holy Spirit. And if he's got the Holy Spirit and you've got the Holy Spirit, guess what? You can do the same stuff. In, in fact, according to Jesus, even greater things. That's good. That's good. We're only, he's, not, he's not even out of the water yet. <coughs> wow. Wow. Getting excited about this. <coughs> so, he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, there is this sense of the Spirit of God being upon him. So, the Holy Spirit comes. He he worships God. He gets baptized. And heaven opens. never closes off. The Holy Spirit just comes. No, it's not... I mean, I like the tongues of fire, it's dramatic and the wind, I I love the noise and the wind. But, you know, gently like a dove. And I want to say, (coughs) for those of you who are nervous about the Holy Spirit, especially when people like me start jumping around and talking about fire and wind and noise and stuff like that, that actually sometimes probably isn't helpful for everyone. But when the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, which is this sense of, of gentleness and, and, and peace and stuff like that, maybe you can, you can think about the Holy Spirit in that way and ask God to show you stuff. And then the Father speaks, This is my Son. And he's pleased with him. And so the Father from heaven speaks his identity. This is who he is. This is my Son. He speaks the same things to you and I, my daughter, my son. And implied in all of this is a sense of destiny that the Son of God would be the one who would rescue humanity from their sins and would die on the cross and would be raised again and would be seated at the right hand of the Father. There's this sense of destiny implied in this. (coughs) I guess I've read that into it because of the way I think. But it's all there. So when Jesus was baptised, there was this amazing act of worship from this one who was sinless worshipping the Father. The Holy Spirit comes. Heaven is open. The Father speaks. And then he heads out into ministry. His ministry starts. He goes into the wilderness, full of the Holy Spirit, and he takes on Satan. 40 days of it. Guess who backs off? It wasn't Jesus Son of God, who is God. Satan backs off. And then he starts preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. When he comes to Nazareth, (coughs) when he comes to Nazareth, he goes to the synagogue, opens the scripture, and then this is what he says. This is verse 18, Luke chapter 4. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. And so here there's this sense that Jesus is filled with the Spirit, he has the Holy Spirit's power within him, but also it's like there's something on him as well. When... You receive Jesus into your life. When you personally surrender your life to Jesus, it's like something comes alive in you. Depending on how you want a word, it's like there's something inside of you that's pretty well dead. Your spirit doesn't seem to have any life. There must be something about your spirit because there's always something within us wants to worship something. And when we know God, we want to worship God. That's what our spirit does. <clears throat> but without God... We tend to sort of worship anything and sometimes that stuff is really bad and really nasty. <clears throat> so it's like your spirit is dormant or dead or, or whatever. But when you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes within you and brings us to life and you are born again. We've all, we've, all, we've all heard this stuff. So John chapter 3 verse 6, this is what Jesus said. Humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth <coughs> to spiritual life. So when we're born again, we have the Holy Spirit come into us. But we're Pentecostals and we understand that we also need power to live the Christian life. Do you know this? I'll tell you this. This is, this is true. It is too hard being good all the time. It really is. Except for Mel Munro. I'd better check with his wife first. She, she might have another idea about that. But it, it, So you need the power of the Holy Spirit to be the person God wants you to be. People are darn hard to love sometimes. Some people are easy to love, but not everyone is easy to love. <coughs> so we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you will know the name David Wilkinson. Put your hand up if you do. Yeah, everyone over a certain age knows that. Knows that knows. Well, i wasn't about you, Dave. You're under that age, but there you go. You're a widely read man. He wrote The Cross and the Switchblade and started Teen Challenge. So he, he's a pretty formidable sort of character. And I have this audio cassette home. Audio cassette. <laughs> <coughs> I got it in 1978. It may even still work. And it's called a baptism of love. And he, in this message, he talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit being like a baptism of love. Because you need the Holy Spirit to love people. Not all of us are naturally warm, loving people. Some of us have to learn how to do it. Some people are. And you've got to watch them because they fool you because they're doing it under their own strength and not the Holy Spirit. Oh, I think I'll get lost there, so I won't go there. (laughs) We need the Holy Spirit to love people, to do the things God wants us to do, as well as move in power and heal the sick and cast out demons and bring life and hope to people whose lives are messed up and need something of God to make their lives worthwhile. So we need the Holy Spirit to do that. We, we need that power. Yeah. You try and be a Christian without the power of the Holy Spirit, it's just too darn work, hard work and you'll just probably just go through the motions. But then there's this sense of the Holy Spirit being upon you. It's like there's an anointing. And I, I would say anointing means something like being empowered and appointed. And so Jesus was empowered and appointed to go and preach the good news to the poor. He had the Holy Spirit on him. There was this something sitting on him. And he was like, when, you, when the Holy Spirit is upon you, it's like you carry something And we all do carry something, the Holy Spirit, for different reasons. You're filled with the Holy Spirit to have power to preach the good news to the ends of the earth. You have that and and do all sorts of amazing Jesus stuff. But all of us have various things that God has anointed us for. And so we need to try, how do you pick that up? Because you can't always feel it. And so I was here one day. And we had this gathering. I think it was called a gathering. Was that right, Jay? Did we call with Rob Rufus and that, this is a gathering of friends or something? Anyway, what's that? Culture, Culture carry. <laughs> so he was he was up here and he was speaking and he spoke about this thing of the spirit being upon you. And he really hammered this. And I'm thinking, wow, that's amazing. Soon as he finished, I had to leave. I was speaking at the Tyndale Christian School there. And uh, and I had to leave just so I could get there to speak at their chapel. At the end of every term, I speak at their last chapel. I've been doing that for years, and I've seen the school grow from about 80 kids, and now there's probably 260, 270 kids there. And I'd go there, and I'd speak. It happens every term. I always get the last one when the kids are all going on holidays. Age ranges from reception, sometimes even the early learning, up to now year 11. Go, how do you do that? I just use a shotgun and just hope for the best and hope I'll get someone with <laughs> with something. So this day I'm heading off over to Strath and I'd work through what I was saying with the kids and just sort of, I, I rehearse myself in the car. Anyone who's a preacher probably does that if they're on their own. That's why preachers often like traveling on their own because they can do that. Anyway, and then on, but I was thinking about this stuff Rob had been going on about the Holy Spirit being on you. And so... And it's almost like God said in a way with, 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 there was no words, like this is what I want you to do. I thought, oh okay, I'll give that a go. And there's no, there was no goosebumps, no incredible chords coming from the keyboard or anything like that, no drum rolls, no choirs of angels singing the hallelujah chorus. It was just like, okay, I'll give it a go. So we got to the school and got up and I, I spoke to the kids and <laughs> they responded to that really well. And so I thought, well, just keep going. I said, you know, for some of you, there's probably something buzzing inside of you where you just need to give your heart to Jesus. Why don't we say that to adults anymore? Someone told me once that that's not in the Bible, so that's wrong. I've actually worked it out. It's in the Bible, but just not said like that. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll have a message on that one day. And... And so I said, give your hearts to Jesus. And I said, now, I'm going to pray in a minute. And then I'm going to ask you to put your hands up. So I prayed. I said, now, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, I want you to put your hand up. But don't put your hand up if you don't want to. We're talking about kids. Don't put your hand up if the kid next to you puts their hand up. Don't do it. Only put your hand up if you really, really, really want to. I'm going to count to three. One, three, one, two, three. All these hands went up there, all over the place, <coughs> different ages from little ones up to bigger ones. I thought, wow, that's pretty amazing. Okay, like, this is what I want you to do now. I want you to stand up and in a moment when I tell you, I want you to go to your teacher and tell them what you've done. I'd already asked the teachers to be accessible at the front and the teachers were there by this time. So, But don't do it unless you really want to. Don't do it because your friend is going there. Just, I tried to talk them out of it. So I said, okay, one, so way you go. 50% of these kids got up and went to their teachers to tell them that they'd I'd given their hearts to Jesus. And it's like one teacher had kids four deep in front of her. One teacher had none. You've got to think, I'm not sure what that's all saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at this. Then this dad walks up to the principal, Bruce Hicks, and he says to Bruce, I can't sleep at night. And Bruce says, "Boy, why are you coming to me? Because he said, you're to go to your teacher to pray pray for you. You're my teacher. So this dad (laughs) went, there's no logic in this, but that's what happened. And so all these kids went to the teachers and they're telling the teacher and they prayed for them. And eventually they went back and sat down again. And I'm standing there, wow. And Bruce, the principal there, who's who's a, a, a fairly has a gruff demeanour, but he's like an incredibly good guy. He's actually now an ordained Anglican priest, and now he's coming down to St. Augustine's and running the service there from from Mount Compass, but that's just another bit of information. And and the teachers are going, what happened there? What happened there? The whole thing is, I'm saying, the Spirit of the Lord was upon me. And I had to trust that, that the Spirit of the Lord was upon me. And I had no idea where that was going to go. Folks, when we worship, God is so close. He is so accessible. Heaven is open to us. The Holy Spirit is here. Expect the Holy Spirit to come when we worship. Expect the Holy Spirit to be here. Expect, <coughs> expect Him to come in some way or another. And expect Him to speak to us. Expect Him to speak to you. Now, he may speak to you individually. He may speak to to the church as a whole. He may speak to you as an individual, but it is for the church. That's why some people are recognized for their prophetic gifts and are trusted for their prophetic gifts. And sometimes God will speak to one of those sorts of people and because they they have, have the credibility with the leadership, it's a message that they can bring to the church. Sometimes it's like that. The end of the day, God will speak to us through people or speak to us through our hearts or through the word. He will speak somewhere. And I want to say this. He is speaking all the time. He has infinite things to say about you, about anything going on in your life. The real thing is we have to learn to hear him. We have to learn to hear him. You know, I'd really like to be able to say, this is what you do. I'm still working that one out. (coughs) But I'm really glad that day when I was driving the car along the freeway that I did hear the Holy Spirit say, this is what I want you to do. And I thought, well, I can't go wrong, I think. Well, (coughs) in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, about round verses 4 and 5, around there, It tells us that we're a bunch of living stones. (laughs) You brick. (laughs) In old English comics, schoolboy comics, singer Brick was a really good person, by the way. A really good person. so. So we're a bunch of living stones. And God is taking this bunch of living stones, people like us, to build a spiritual temple. That is a house of worship and so and Jesus is the cornerstone and if he's the cornerstone you're not going to knock that building down easy are you because if he's the cornerstone he's going to keep the whole thing up take heart as a church as a house of worship is being built out of living stones that Jesus is our rock solid foundation he's our cornerstone and so no matter what can come against us that, that whatever it is has to contend with Jesus. We need to remember that when things sometimes get a bit shaky in our lives, that we are built upon Jesus. So we are these living stones that God is using to build a house of worship, a spiritual temple. So we need to submit ourselves to him. Submit ourselves to God. Submit our lives. Submit our hearts. Who's good at submitting to God? Put up your hands. Oh, this Oh, this Jay. Yeah, this... is <laughs> Well you, you two need to, need to be Because I know what you used to be like <laughs> It's Irene We know what she used to be like don't we yeah. But there you go The thing is Get used to Irene Because we're going to spend an eternity with her And that will be absolutely awesome I'm saying that in all seriousness now I'm not being funny here. That will be absolutely awesome Absolutely awesome. So I've really looked through this scripture, the scripture of Jesus being baptised, and I'm thinking, so what did I actually learn from all of this? And I realised I became more aware of certain things rather than probably something just totally new. One of the things I realised is that in the scripture, Jesus worships the Father. And you might think, well, isn't he God as well? So how does God worship God? I don't know. All I do know is that as a human being, he was emptied of all, all of the supernatural stuff, and he was human like us. And if he's human like us, and he got baptized like we're supposed to be baptized, and if you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized, I'll just say that in passing, that... He would worship the Father. Could you imagine Jesus going to the temple with, or the place of worship with his disciples and everyone's worshipping God and he's just standing there just sort of, oh, come on, hurry up, you know, we'll, you know, I will be done with this soon. Or when he went to pray and spend time with God, that he's just hanging out. You know, there's this sense that Jesus worshipped the Father. In his baptism, we have a sense of worship. In the book of Hebrews, there is, this, there is this just little picture of what Jesus did. And this is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12. And Jesus said this, He's for, for he being Jesus, said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. He's drawn that from the Psalms somewhere in the past. But here we have Jesus who... In effect, is, has worshipped God, worships God. And so, I just want to say, if you just read through the Gospels, it is clear without stating it, that Jesus would have done this. There was no real reason for the Gospel writers to even say it, because it was just part of what happened. So, Jesus was someone who worshipped the Father. Now, I'm going to tell you something, which I may have told you before. A little while ago... I was at a meeting in Adelaide of pastors, and there was a lot of us there, and there's just amazing worship going on. And the song that was being used was directed to the Father. Some of our songs are like that. And so I'm about two or three rows back, and I'm sat, sat with a couple of the leaders and pastors from Narrow Corp, and we're just worshipping God. And as I'm worshipping, I realise, I don't know if it was in my mind's eye or what, But Jesus was standing right alongside me with his hands up, worshipping the Father. You want to know what he looks like? You want to know what he looked like? Do you? (laughs) Yeah, I can tell you. I can tell you. This is what he looked like. He was around 30 years old. His hair was cut fairly short, had a bit of a fashionable fuzz. You know, in other words, he needed to shave like a lot of people. He's wearing a t-shirt and jeans. The only thing that he... He just looked like... Any young thirty-year-old dad, just under six foot tall, and he's there, and he just didn't have the sun, he's on his head, and and he's just worshiping the Father. But this is what he's, he's looking at me and grinning his head off, you know, encouraging me. And I'm just like, wow. And like, and so we just, just kept on going, going like, going like this. Eventually, the song finished. I don't know what happened then. Someone got up and said something to color Then we went back into another song again. A song worshiping the Father. And I sort of saw Pika. There he is again. But this time he had his, had my hand and he just lifted his he just lifted up in intense worship to the Father. And this just went on for ages. I want to say it wrecked me. I was trying to tell people about it. But I started crying all <laughs> start doing it. It just wrecked me pretty well for the, the rest of the day in the right sort of way. What I'm saying here is that when Jesus worships, stuff happens. And when we worship, stuff happens. Heaven is open. And the Father, God, Jesus, is so accessible. The Holy Spirit is here, and he falls, and he comes, and and does stuff. And God speaks to us, and speaks to Danny, my daughter, my son. If you're a female here, You are his daughter. If you're a male here, you're his son. If you're not sure about that, talk it out with him. Open your heart to him. Let Jesus in and you'll discover that's exactly who you are. So, what do we do with all this? What do we do with all this? Well, (laughs) you think, you start heading into places like this and you're not sure what to do with it. But there's one thing we do need to do. And that is we need to open our minds and hearts to hear his voice in whatever way he speaks. Because when he speaks, he's got something to say to you. And he's got something to say to the church. This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.